everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NYY Takes, a Pinstripe Prospects and Pinstripe Perspective podcast. For the first time in a very long time, I enjoy, I'm joined by all four of the Pinstripe Perspective slash NYY Takes panel, so I'm very excited to ask this question. Yankees fans, are we happy today? Absolutely not. Oh. It just... Five days ago, you said yes. Well, first of all, two yeses in a row. What world do we live in? Yeah, I mean, out Nirvana? of principle, I guess, principle, you had to say no. Like, there's nothing in life that's good enough for two yeses in a row on the MIY Takes podcast. That's true. You hold, you hold it to a very high standard, which I respect, actually. And this is my current standard. Garrett Cole has allowed six home runs in his last four starts after giving up zero in his first seven starts as we record with the Yankees down 4-2, but threatening in the bottom of the fifth on Tuesday night. You caught us at a bad time because we found our white whale regressing to the mean, and it's not made me very happy. Toe said yes last week. Toe's, oh, and there you go. And Outing I was yourself is not listening it? to our own podcast. Was it not interesting yes. enough for you? No, it's never interesting enough for me. But I can't <laughs> believe that you said yes and I wasn't here. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a historical moment in this podcast's history. If, if that's, if that's not enough... Historical but short-lived. Truly, if, if that's not enough to get me on the pod every single week from here on out, I don't know what is. I can't miss another glorious moment of that magnitude. Well, Matt, are you happy? No, I'm not happy because I missed Toe saying yes. Wow, okay. Back-to-back no's. I'm really not doing so well. No, so hot here. Bless, I have a little more faith, though. This Yankees fan is, in fact, happy. I'm happy to talk, be talking to you, you guys again. Um, had to take some time off being a dad. The family and I were on vacation last week. While we were on vacation, Brian Cashman went through the living room, saw Aaron Hicks sitting on the couch, opened the door, and chucked his lousy ass out the front door. So I am ecstatic this week. Yeah, so I guess that is a good place for us to start on the housekeeping items list. Aaron Hicks, no longer a New York Yankee. Now, before we all want to say our bad things about him, I actually want to start with some good things. I would say, and this is a total rough guess, but like... At least 30% of like the awesome Yankee moments that I've seen in person have been via Aaron Hicks. And I can rem- remember most of them. Um, that like 100 mile an hour throw from, the, from left field he had against the Red Sox. I think that was back in 2017. Followed by his two-run homer. Maybe in the same game, but not sure. My memory is probably mixing all of that up. And then there's the ALCS home run off Verlander, off the foul pole. And then last year, um, his game-tying home run off Ryan Presley against the Astros. So I've seen, I've seen it all with, with Aaron Hicks. I've seen his highest moments. So I actually am not going to uh, make sure the door you know, doesn't hit him on the way out. Uh, I've got nothing but good things to say. I felt bad every time he got booed at the stadium. Um, you know, it's easy to say this as the Yankees finally get rid of him, 
Um, I've also seen some of his worst moments. I was at the game where he just put his head down after dropping the ball last year down the left field line. Um, <laughs> so you could say Same. I've seen it all with Aaron, with Aaron Hicks, but his best moments uh, are most prominent in my head. And for that, I thank him. I'll let you guys take the floor on Hicks. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're doing a, a little bit of a, a serious postmortem and not just harping on how awful the last couple of years have been because there was actually a time where I argued among baseball fans in good conscience that Aaron Hicks was the second best center fielder in the American League after Mike Trout. And I think I had a real case for it. It was kind of yeah. between him and Springer for a couple of years there. And there was a legitimate argument to be made that he was one of the three or four most important players on the team back when this core first burst to the four, you know, five, six years ago now it was. And then of course, you know, there were all the moments that, that, that Robert mentioned, there was the Aaron Hicks game in Minnesota, the uh, diving catch that he made followed by his home run in extra innings. Uh, there was, as Robert already mentioned, you know, one of the biggest moments in the 2019 postseason. There was a lot. There were a lot of good times with Hicks, and and I can't stand here or sit here and lie. Now, I was thrilled about the extension when it was first signed. I was thrilled about that extension. I thought it was great value. I thought that Hicks was a core piece that was going to be productive for years. I was firmly in favor of that extension. Didn't work out. Not all these things do. But I will. I will emerge just like Robert with a lot of positive memories of Aaron Hicks from his time as a Yankee. I think that Aaron Hicks is quite representative of the gauntlet of emotions Yankees fans go through, especially as it pertains to the relationship with their players. So Jay Jaffe did a really good job in Fangraphs today of kind of summarizing Aaron Hicks's Yankees career arc, if you will. I think we all forgot, first of all, that Aaron Hicks was acquired from the Minnesota Twins for John Ryan Murphy. A backup or third string catcher got traded for one of the more productive center fielders of the last half decade or so. I think it's objectively correct to say that. Yeah. First of all, wizard move by Brian Cashman. There were Yankees fans for seasons long, especially in 2017 and 2018, when every time Aaron Hicks did something good, Twitter would be like, hey, Aaron Hicks was traded for John Ryan Murphy. That's how happy and that's how much the Yankees valued Aaron Hicks's contributions kind of across the board, both on the field and kind of how he was acquired as well. And then he kind of just like turned into the goat. I think that, you know, Coles, you said this before, he had a lot of the moments that really stirred up the emotions in the Yankees from, you know, the postseason hits to that. Remember that game in Minnesota that had like 50,000 highlights culminated in that insane catch? Yeah, that's with a great call by Ryan Rucco. Yeah. I mean, there's that. And then, you know, I, I don't. I was at the game when he put his head down, too, and I don't remember if I was with you or I was somewhere else, but I remember either texting you or just saying to you, being like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And then you fast forward to this season, and it became almost a ritual to boo Aaron Hicks. Like, I would be, like, looking around just being like, boo, because, like, everyone knows what's about to happen. 
And that kind of crosses the entire lexicon of emotions with Yankees fans and like how they treat the players, right? He's great. He's amazing. He He's a producer when he produces great moments, especially in the postseason. Everyone loves him when he is a guy who's acquired for nothing like we're doing with Wandy Peralta right now. Great things to say about him. But when it gets bad, it gets ugly and it gets personal. And I do think the fans played a part of part of the role. I don't Hicks this season certainly didn't do himself any favors in at least publicly sharing his thoughts about his role, whether or not we thought he was right. Um, and I think that, you know, that basically caused him to turn to him. Like, yeah. the fans don't like entitlement. His on-field performance did not back that. And I think this was the only conclusion. Frankly, it was about two weeks later than it should have been, but you know, good on the Yankees for choosing to eat $30 million like the Arizona Diamondbacks said with Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I think we choose to forget that he got Tommy John surgery in 2019 and then had that torn tendon sheath in his wrist in 2021, which which basically zaps all of which he power. got playing golf wreck of speculation. <laughs> so, he had some injuries and was never really the player that he was supposed to be. Side note, even before he was a Yankee, there's a highlight of him when he was on the Twins at Yankee Stadium, basically throwing out Andrew Jones at third <laughs> base uh, from the 399 or 385 foot, foot sign in right center on no hop, full straight to third base. And it was one of the craziest throws I'd ever seen in my life, and probably to this day, is outside of one Jeff Francoeur throw that I can remember, one of the craziest throws I've, I've ever seen in my life. So he was a special player, and he had so much potential. And you almost can't really blame Brian Cashman for giving him that contract, because if you look at those seasons that he had in 2017, 18, etc., they were really freaking good. Les, I, I know you might have some some worse things to say about him while we're kind of here giving him like a, a nice eulogy, but... Uh, no, you guys are you guys are doing a good job. You know, maybe I I have a Mount Rushmore of Yankees that I have a an irrational disdain for, like most Yankees fans. Me too. Highest up, highest hop that perch for me is one Aaron Hicks. And I was very excited when they originally got him because yes, they got him for J.R. Murphy, who then for some reasons decided to go by John Ryan Murphy. Um, you know, because professionally you want to have the two first names. So um I was really excited. Switch hitting center fielder. We just had Bernie Williams there for a long time. Okay, that's really exciting. And then the production wasn't exciting. You know, the running joke in our household was, you know, who hits after Aaron Hicks in the lineup? The other team. You know, so it just got to be with Aaron Hicks, at least from my irrational Yankee fan perspective, that I, I just, I stopped, I did not like the guy. For whatever reason, he was my, I'm going to irrationally, Hate you, a la Cameron Toe and Aaron Judge. So um, I'm not sad to see him go. The whole golf thing, the whole, yes, he came into camp looking good, but he just didn't play good. Like anybody can lift weights. Anybody can get a trainer, look good in a, in a uniform, but but you just stink. You know, so they, they did do the right thing by by getting rid of him. It does clear up a little bit of a, a log jam. And maybe, you know what, Aaron Hicks might find a, a, a place for a change of scenery Kind of like Joey Gallo is doing right now in Minnesota. They got rid of the shift. Joey Gallo is apparently turned into Texas Joey Gallo again. So yeah. 
you know, maybe he will go on to have a, a nice back nine of his career, or maybe he'll just go and play the front and back nine and sit on that $30 million, <laughs> yeah. raise his kids, and just live his life. But I was going to say, I, I, feel to like go. I feel like it's more likely he just goes down the full retirement path and is like, screw it. I have, I have my money that I'm set with, and now I can go play golf and hang out with my kids for the rest of my life. Not the worst but, thing. Pre-show we were talking about on the uh, actually preceding the um, the show recording. I I did listen to the the Hal interview on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, and it was before um, they cut him and they asked him point blank, you know, would eating a salary be an obstacle for you? And Hal Steinbrenner said, no. If it, if it made our team better, I wouldn't be afraid. So clearly he was not afraid to pay Aaron Hicks to go away and. There's a certain third baseman that I completely forgot about that might also be in that category if he plays his way out of town. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Yeah, we'll see if this trickers, trickles over into the Donaldson situation. They're playing really Les, good ball right now. Les, who else is on your Mount Rushmore of hated Yankees? I'm curious now. Yes. You know what? I had an interesting conversation about this this week uh, with my cousin and another good friend. On my Mount Rushmore of hated Yankees is occupied by Aaron Hicks, Jacoby Ellsbury, Jose Canseco, and Stephen Drew. Wow, that is yeah. that's such an interesting that that doesn't have any of the people that I would expect to be on it besides Aaron Hicks. Actually, that's a very interesting list. I like Jacoby, it. I would expect Jacoby. Hey Matt, did you have one? A, it was such a fallow period, anyway. <laughs> Like, I feel like Carl Pavano is number one on everyone's list. Pretty much. Oh, just mine is Latroy Hawkins. <laughs> That's actually really funny. Latroy <laughs> Hawkins is a good one. I'll, I'll just never forget when fans started chanting Paul O'Neill when he wore 21 and then came out the next day and he wasn't wearing 21 anymore. Um, yeah. Aroldis Chapman is number one on my list, just for the record. <laughs> number two, okay. Jeff Weaver. Ooh, Jeff Weaver is a great one as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was number, funny. It, what? Number three, what? Number three, Kevin Ugalas. Uh, he was he wasn't a bad Yankee. He was For fun. the 15 minutes, he was he was a Yankee, and he got predictably hurt. Yeah, he was part of a triple play, too. Actually, He did he not was. look the same, though. That was that, that was um, an interesting one, for sure. Yeah, but anyway, we're being very emblematic of Yankees Twitter this weekend because, shockingly, Yankees Twitter was also being really kind to Aaron Hicks on the way out. And I think that's just a, a, con a consequence of people being glad that the Yankees finally paid him to go away. So there you go. I mean, it's just like a breakup that everyone knows just kind of needs to happen, right? Yeah. So, like, you kind of got rid of the toxicity before the breakup actually took place. So you're good. Yeah, it had to happen. All right. Other stuff. Uh, Sevy's back went four and two thirds on Sunday, allowed an earned run. Really, only ran into like trouble in that first inning. Um, I don't think there's a ton to take from it other than yay, Sevy's back. Let's hope he stays healthy. He looked good. Yeah, definitely needs to build up a bit more. But like, it, he didn't look that rusty, which was surprising because normally you'd expect some rustiness. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just never going to operate under the assumption that he can stay healthy for an entire season. So it's really just kind of walking on eggshells with him until the season's over and he's either pitching or not. Uh, Tommy Canely, third rehab appearance is tomorrow. 
and then expected to join the team after that. Uh, he said he's ready already. Uh, John Brophy has been down in Tampa posting all that great video of Tommy tight pants. He'll be a nice addition to the bullpen now that Luizaga and Hamilton are down. Uh, now that the bullpen really has been bad, Clay, Clay had that little uh, scare on Sunday. Uh, so it'll be nice to just have Tommy in there who has apparently looked sharp. I can't say I've watched any of his any of his rehab assignments. Um, but it'll just be nice to have him back as an option. Uh, and then uh, the... The headline that never seems to go away, Stanton is, quote, very close. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't even mean anymore. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about that last week, Toe. It, it means it means nothing. It's Boone just refuses to give a date, uh, which, you know, can you blame him? Um, both him and Donaldson, who are, as we know, now aligned on timeline. Uh, Literally, like, aligned aligned. Both took batting practice today. Uh, is that, I guess that's what we can call intense baseball activities, just BP intense yeah, so, for intense for standing yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hopefully, no one pulls an oblique during these quote intense baseball activities. That's all I gotta say. It's just you know what? No comment. Moving on. Oh, road oh, oh, hold, hold, hold on. I do. I, 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 I forgot to put in the notes that Boone did say that when he gets back, uh, Mr. Donaldson will be the everyday third baseman. Uh, no questions asked. Yeah, I mean, if DJ weren't uh, slumping horrifically right now, which I'll get to later, maybe that wouldn't be the case. Uh, Rodon threw from 110 feet with no problems, uh, but his distance was reduced from 120 feet the other day. So, I don't know. Are we going to play the Carlos Rodon feet game every feet, week now? Feet gate, <laughs> feet gate with that Rodon. That sounds really I mean, weird. We had a lot sense. of fun with 90 feet last week, and now we're just... Now we're playing with it. Yeah. So okay. So like one ten or or like one twenty, and then one ten. Is he going back to one twenty tomorrow? What difference does ten feet make? Like, can someone please um, provide some clarity here? <laughs> um, he said he doesn't have any pain in his back right now, which is. But like, he oh, never had any pain in. His first back. of all, first of all, or he didn't. He doesn't have any discomfort. First of all, you know, you would hope so, seeing as all you've done is throw a baseball from hundred feet. Uh, so I would hope there's no more pain. Uh, now, maybe when you're throwing 90 pitches in the middle of August, it's going to be flaring up a little bit. So, again, just like Severino, not putting any stock into anything Carlos Rodon related right now. Uh, Domingo back from his suspension on Monday in Seattle. They're going to need a spot starter uh, for one of the Padres games. Uh, so we might go back to Jimmy Cordero opener season uh, or Davey getting an opportunity. He was remember no he was brought else, up, he right? was brought up for about two hours before being sent back down earlier this year, uh, and then to end on a very happy note uh, for all of us since we're all big baseball fans, MLB attendance was at its highest for April and May this weekend at least since 2017. Um, I think that's a good thing. Uh, it's good for our wallets, as you know. Yes, <laughs> it's good for our wallets, and uh, I mean, can we attribute that to the pitch clock thing, or are we just getting like, is it, did it just happen to be like a really good weather weekend, or can we attribute it to like the new schedule, you know, where you have a combination of all? I guess it's know. surprising that the Yankees weren't in the top five. 
um, average attendance, I guess that's because they were in Cincinnati, but no, I think it, what did I, what did I, oh, it was, it was raining here this weekend. Like I didn't do that much, but yeah, I mean, it is a noticeably better in-person watching experience, at least for me. Like once I told myself, just put your phone in your pocket or just put your phone down and don't look at it unless you're in between innings, it was fine. I got used to it. It felt like a normal game. So, yeah, I, I just think that may, maybe the buzz is coming around and, you know, baseball's a little bit more popular game. Maybe people just want to get outside. I don't know, but it's interesting, though. But um, going to be very important to have clear moving forward. Yeah, if you don't have clear, uh, you should get it, especially if you're a Yankee fan. Uh, and when you get off, actually, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give away any trade secrets yet. No, 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 no. Uh, if you get clear, have DM us. Clear. Yeah, uh, and then we'll get we'll clear. Tell you the big and, clear and, and then if you tag them in a tweet telling them to sponsor our pod, then we will give you the tweet. Yes. The tip. Uh, DJ just didn't make a play that he probably should have. Um, okay, I think we've covered it. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Baseball, both being at the games and getting ho- getting home at reasonable hours is just the biggest thing in the world. Uh, you know, if you have to drink a little less beer, oh well. Also, no one's making you yeah, positive. Yeah. Just get there earlier. Uh, and um, the watching experience and like bouncing around from game to game experience is generally just better. Uh, I'm a little bit nostalgic for like. The, the you know you can't sleep and there's still the Dodgers are still playing at like 1:30 in the morning thing, uh, that's gone now, uh, which is a little sad, but uh you know you gotta you gotta say goodbye to all that sometimes. All right, let's get into our ups and downs of the week. We've got four of us now, so a lot to talk about. Should be very exciting. Um, Les, I'll let you start. Kind of coming off what we spoke about with. Aaron Hicks with your up of the week. Yeah, my up is a is a little predictable. It's, it is uh, my old friend Brian Cashman. He decided he made the right choice to cut the dead weight that is Aaron Hicks. You know, they ate the, ate the thirty million. They sent him away. Clears up a log jam. Other guy. It provides a little bit of roster flexibility. There are players down in Scranton um, and in the system that might get a call. I know a lot of people have been. Yankees Twitter is all obviously opining for the Martian, Jason Dominguez, to come up for reasons passing understanding. But, you know, I'm a big fan of Elijah Dunham. So, you know, and I, I know that, that we all wanted, only some of us wanted uh, Ryan Reynolds. That that never got to work out. But it provides some area of roster flexibility. And right now we get to see IKF in left field. So he's kind of holding it down. He made a great catch the other day. So, you know, I don't mind IKF, the outfielder, the utility player. So, Brian Cashman cutting uh cutting Aaron Hicks is my up of the week. How about your down of the week? My down is gonna be Oswaldo. I I haven't been able to watch a whole lot of baseball the last the last week or so, so what I have seen is kind of the same thing when it comes to Oswaldo. The numbers 143 average this week, 414 OPS. Rough week is kind of emblematic of this whole season. I like him, I like his versatility. He's also just not producing, you know, so he's a guy that he played his way up when the roster wasn't doing well, but he's also a guy that might, even though he is a flexible player, they still have IKF who can play all over the field. 
he could very easily play his way off this roster and, and ride the bus back to Scranton if he, yeah, if I mean, he keeps not producing. Oswaldo is one of the easiest, most likable guys probably in baseball, and he's getting away with being terrible because of that. Uh, but there were a lot of warning signs last season that we have spoken about on earlier Definitely. podcasts where you kind of just knew the bat wasn't was going to have a lot more growing pains than he was having last year. Uh, the play discipline was just never really there, and, and that's kind of showing itself this season. Uh, not ready to kind of you know call him off quite yet, but no, no I agree. He's been he's been incredibly disappointing. Uh, but you know he's just lucky for his own sake that he's a good guy. Uh, Matt, let's go to your up of the week. Or if there are any thoughts on Oswaldo, please do share. I mean, what else is there to say? He's had a terrible year he's been really bad (laughs) yeah that's it and 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 it is disappointing because he is a player with a lot of you know super utility potential very versatile um so he just needs to start hitting and it hasn't happened yet we'll see yeah but my my up of the week just aside from the incredible tidal wave of of schadenfreude that i'm feeling watching the boston celtics circle the drain tonight um is is aaron is uh aaron anthony rizzo uh, who we, I feel like we've talked about him on the last we've talked about him in, on a number of pods this year as sort of having a quietly great year. And I'm just going to double down on that description again, because it doesn't really feel like he's getting a ton of attention for the season he's having. But it is he's been the Yankees most consistently good offensive performer the entire season. And this month, he's just really, you know, truly taken it to a new level. Um, he is slashing 329, 400, 592 in the month of May with nine multi-hit games. He had a great weekend in Cincinnati with two homers against the Reds. And you, you have to ask the question, you know, with how inconsistent the offense has been, really almost one through nine. I mean, Aaron Judge has turned it on in the last couple of weeks, but he was iffy in April and then he was hurt for a while. Anthony Rizzo has been the guy that you can rely on week in and week out. And he's playing an integral role in this team. And just as I talked before about Aroldis Chapman being one of my least favorite Yankees of all time, Rizzo is quickly cementing himself as one of my favorite Yankees of all time. Has to be, has to be said. And for my down of the week, I'm going to go with our poor friend Kyle Higashioka because it looks like Ben Rortvet might be the best hitter in baseball history. He's real somehow. Yeah, he's and real. And he's here. He's a- and he had a couple of base hits on Saturday, which honestly makes him probably more productive than the other two Yankees catchers combined this year. So go Ben Rortvet, trying to desperately salvage that trade that brought him to the Yankees, which maybe he will now. And who knows? I mean, Rortvet, the, the thing about him was always that we knew he was a great defender. He hadn't ever hit at all, but he was young. So maybe the bat would come around. Maybe we're starting to see that. Who knows? Um, I also love his John Cena, you know, you can't see me celebration. That's great stuff. It's really just good stuff. It, it also, it's just funny that all these players know about all the jokes that are going around about them on the internet. Yeah, because they're oh, all awesome. on the internet. <laughs> because they all have multiple burners. Also, Cedric Mullins almost just gave me a heart attack. Uh, almost hit a grand slam to make it 9-4 and effectively end the game. But the Yankees are going to the bottom of the sixth. Down 5-4 should be tied if DJ LeMahieu, uh, you know, maybe made that play. Yeah, Anthony Rizzo are really good. I mean, I, you can say Judge is the team's MVP so far, but, you know, Rizzo is right there too. Uh, 
which is I'm honestly surprised by how good he's been. <laughs> like aging, aging first baseman. I didn't expect a ton, but guy's just really good at baseball. Not much more to say about it. I can get into my up and down, my up of the week to no one's surprise, IKF. Uh, since May 9th, rocking a nice 177 WRC plus, two homers in that same time span, um, and is just the perfect utility guy. Not the perfect everyday shortstop for the New York Yankees. So it took us a year, but IKF, I think, found his role on a big league team. And he actually had it in Texas. But this is it. Be the utility guy. Uh, secondly, did you guys see him or the rumors about him slash the video of him spitting in Bader's direction after that little run in in left field in Cincinnati? Not one person on this podcast. I, I recuse myself I from this that. discussion. Oh, I was, man. On, I was on vacation last week. I don't know if I can do this podcast with you guys anymore. <laughs> I recuse myself. You know. <laughs> Oh, well, all right. That's that's the homework for tonight is go watch that and then we can talk about it later. But there was a fly out on Sunday where Hicks or not Hicks, God, IKF and Vader nearly collided. And it looks like IKF ends up catching it. And it looks like Vader says something along the lines of that's my ball or that's mine. And then the camera stays on IKF and IKF just like spits. But it kind of looks like it's like an attitudinal spit towards Bader. And then I started thinking about how hilarious like a beef between IKF and Bader is. Oh, that that would go that would go so poorly on Yankees Twitter for IKF. Oh, a little bit of manufactured drama. Yeah, that would that would uh, I would clobber IKF. Well, yeah, IKF's but, playing well for so people were like, oh, yeah. IKF is like being a little spicy. Well, it's well, well, well. Remember, <laughs> he had that done to him by Aaron Hicks in Tampa. Oh yeah. So maybe that's just the thing. You voice your displeasure by spitting in someone's <laughs> direction on the baseball field. Uh, all right, so the conclusion here is that it's Aaron Hicks' fault. Exactly. Yes. Okay, done. Done. Uh, my down of the week, uh, ironic, because, Toad, this was your up of the week last week. Uh, DJ LeMayhew, I think you broke him. Uh, since we recorded that podcast, if you include tonight, uh, I think he's a hit tonight. He's an RBI single, I believe. Uh, I was watching out of the corner of my eye. That would make him two for his last 20. Uh, and out of nowhere, his slash line is gross. 252, 324, 413 with a 106 WRC plus and a 323, geez, 323 weighted on base average. I mean, he went from, oh, he's having a great season to, oh, he sucks. So do we take away from this? Are we worried or is this just a really bad slump? Which DJ is the real DJ? Reconvene next week and we'll have an idea of which one it is. That's fair. Yeah, maybe, we'll, we'll maybe, the, theme, maybe the theme of the season will just be a pendulum between scorching hot DJ and super cold DJ. Maybe DJ is just not consistent anymore. That, that's who he is now. All right, so. Oh, Matt. Thoughts? No thoughts. Tell you're up of the week. My up of the week is Jimmy Cordero. He's been good. Yeah, and he's jacked. 
I think I was one of the last people to notice how jacked he was because I remember my first impression of Jimmy Cordero being in Baltimore when Boone chose to put him in over Wandy, and I was very confused and angry about that. Um, however, um, this week, four appearances, five innings, um, in, 80, in 84 pitches, pretty good for a reliever, including a two-inning opening stint in Toronto, which the Yankees should probably do a lot moving forward. Um, with the back end of this rotation. So, yeah, nothing but good things to say about him. It feels like every year there are one or two bullpen, new bullpen guys that you just come up and all of a sudden they're, you know, in the circle of trust, as we like to say. And Jimmy Cordero has entered that. Yeah. I mean, just like Ian Hamilton, he's just one, a pitcher that came out of nowhere, kind of, and is a very serviceable bullpen arm. Yeah, who needs Scott Efros? I forget about Scott Efros pretty often, to be honest with you. Every time I hear his name, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was kind of a big deal last year. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Your down of the week, Toe? My down of the week is the private equitization of Major League Baseball. Uh, You've been wait. Did you say that on a pod already? Did you tell me that? And I was like, oh, that's a good one. Uh, Yeah, Uh, this is a repeat of last week. Okay. Not the not a repeat down, but a repeat discussion of the private acquisition of Major League Baseball. Goes to show. Allow me to is. explain. Four. Do you know what the number four represents? Uh, the amount of streaming services you need to buy to watch baseball. Someone read the note document. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seriously. So this week to watch the New York Yankees play baseball, you will need Peacock, Amazon Prime. Yeah, the Yes Network, whether it's the Yes app, the standalone package that they offer, or a cable subscription, and Apple TV. Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, I mean, what are we doing here? Un- unfortunately, this it's is not stupid. just baseball; it's sports. Football is now doing it. I'm not talking about just baseball, though. This is one team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One week in the life of the New York Yankees. A week in the life of the New York Yankees. All right, I got to get to my Peacock. I got to get to my Amazon. All right, Yes Network, we're normal again. But wait, Amazon is a Yes broadcast. Like, what's going on? Like, why is it on Amazon? Well, my favorite part of the, the Amazon Apple nonsense, which is the worst out of all of them by far. And I have never watched an Apple TV podcast and don't really plan to because they don't have it. My favorite part of the Amazon games is when, like, someone will text me who's, like, you know, kind of, like, fringe Yankee guy, but, like, we'll watch the Yankees every now and then. And I'll just get, like, the angry, where the hell is the Yankee yes. game? <laughs> and I got to explain what the situation is. That that always gets me good. But it's, like, that's a perfect example of how dumb it is, though. Like, you have someone that's not a baseball diehard that, that wants to watch the game, and you're making it a pain in the ass for them to watch your product. And most of the time, these, these people are just like, fine, I'm not going to watch. Yeah, this is what happened in Middle America in states like Iowa, where like eight teams were blacked out. They chose to not deal with it, and this is what's happening with you know the Yankees on TV here. Well, it's like a combination of a bunch of things. It's the Yankees are very popular. The brand is very valuable, so this means that you know every single service that has a contract with Major League Baseball or one of its thirty teams wants the Yankees on their feed so it's kind of the price of paying a yankee fan 
or the the price you pay for being a Yankee fan, in addition to you know the exorbitant ticket prices, concessions, parking. If you do that, oh, we can we can do a whole like, thing on know. how on how different the perks between being a season ticket holder for the Yankees and for the Rangers are. But we can oh, say we will be having day. that discussion this year. Yeah, someone's got to do it, and no one's doing it. I don't hear enough people complaining about how terrible the Yankees are with their season ticket. They're perks. awful. They are awful. Anyway, let's table that for, you know, let's complete a full season of being subscribers and we'll have a discussion. Well, try 13. Uh, anyway, any, any thoughts less Matt about the private equitization of baseball? No, toe is spot on. It really does make it challenging for all sports fans to be able to watch, you know, He's a hundred percent on. You know, you you have to wonder. I guess so many. There's every everybody theoretically is cutting the cord, but now baseball is is just. It, it really is just who are we in business with? Who's going to offer us some money? We'll give you twenty five, thirty games, and you get the rights of those games. Like it, it really is annoying that that baseball is is doing this to the fans because it really this it should not be this complicated to watch a baseball game. It really. It's going to drive people to John Sterling. Where can I find the Yankees? I have no idea. John Sterling or Justin Shackle? (laughs) Right, exactly. Listen, I'll just put the radio on. That's way easier than trying to find out the 15 options I have to watch baseball. Well, I mean, there's not only the, you know, accessibility factor of in terms of just being able to, you know, what freaking platform is this on? It's, It's accessibility in terms of affordability as well. Like these things add up. Like, if I didn't ha- if if I didn't have Peacock because I need to watch the English Premier League, like I would not have watched a Peacock game. It's not worth it. Um, yeah, I would have done. I, I would have done radio. I'm not gonna watch Apple TV because I don't have it. Like, I don't want to go through all these soups just to you know, watch a Yankee game, like two Fridays a year. Um, I I only have Prime because I use my family's Prime account. That prime is some prime is something people don't complain 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 about as much because most of us have it already. Yeah, and I don't know. And then with the Yes app, like this standalone service coming in, it's going to be like an upwards of twenty five to thirty bucks a month. You have your Peacock fees. That's no a hundred dollars a year there. Amazon's Amazon. It's you're 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 going to end up paying like a thousand dollars a year to watch sports. I will be the last person on earth watching sports on cable. There, there will not be a day where cable television is available and I'm and I don't ha- have it. I view it as the only way to watch sports. Street, I'm I cannot stand the cord cutting when it comes to watching sporting events, and I think it's just making the product so much of a hassle to find and get to when it should be something that's incredibly accessible. Does that have anything to do with your gambling habit? Nothing <laughs> to do with my gambling habit, of course. Well, that's, yeah. you know, that brings up an interesting question because I'm, I'm in an area where I, I don't have cable. I have direct TV stream, but we do have a new Englander in our, in our midst here. Like Pat, how do you actually get to watch the Yankees? You know, obviously Joe and Coles are in the city. I have a streaming service that, you know, my wife and I, I, I went through, I, I found the right one that has the Yankees channel. Like, how do you watch the games? Well, I use MLB TV, which is absurdly expensive, except for the fact that I I jack my buddy's free MLB TV that he gets through T-Mobile. 
So I'm I'm cheating the system. Uh, but but even then, you know, you have MLB TV, but you still need Apple TV for the Apple TV games. You still need Peacock for the Peacock games. I have trouble watching them when they play the Red Sox because then the MLB TV feed is blacked out. And Nessin just released a direct streaming uh, subscriber streaming model, which I obviously don't want to pay for because I'm not a Red Sox fan. So it's not even as easy as it used to be to to get the game through the Nessin feed. And I don't have cable because, again, it's really it would really only be for sports. So it's a problem. I mean, I, I hate it just as much as the rest of you all do. You know, being an out of market fan, it's it, it's a different set of obstacles, but it's the same it's the same headache, really. So I mentioned this already on a previous pod, but all the issues that that Valley Sports is facing right now and their impending bankruptcy and, and the fact that that might actually prompt the powers that be to start thinking differently about how people watch sports and what platforms they watch sports on could be the beginning of something great. I mean, I just, it's, it can't keep continuing in this direction because baseball is losing viewers because of these things. People, fewer people are watching games because of all the obstacles. Yeah. But more people are going to games. So go figure. Yeah. I guess that's the upside. That's actually, that's actually a really interesting point that fewer people are watching games on, we'll call it TV per se. But they're going to the games because, you know, like at least football and basketball, they have their their partners like TNT, ESPN. Those games are pretty easy to find. They don't make you jump all over the Internet to try to find a sportscast. So like that, that really is a fascinating point that you brought up, Matt. Yeah, I'm not so sure like what the actual ratings numbers are um, for this season, at least. Not that you believe them anyway, because whoever believes, who, who actually believes those numbers yeah, you have right. to question your your uh, sources of data on that, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's annoying that, you know, sports is obviously a business, so it's annoying that we run into these things. But you have to think, everyone is in agreement that this sucks. So well, how yeah, much longer? So, yeah, except, except the shareholders whose portfolios go up because of these new deals that people broker. Yeah, but at some point, you know, if it, if people claim to hate it as much as they do and as much as we're claiming right now, at some point it's not going to be Or maybe it's just a sense. bunch of noise because guess what? We're still watching the games. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, like, we can complain all we want, but if we're still watching, it doesn't matter. And at the end of the day, it is on the viewers to be the ones to be like, I'm not watching this crap. But we still go watch it. We like to complain about it, but we still go find it and we still watch it. But I guess the flip side of that is how much are you barring new watchers from from the game when you have these things? Because as someone that is used to watching most Yankees games, like everyone on this podcast and a lot of Yankees fans, and you seek it out. You find it. But for the people that are on the edges, you're probably not. I have a genuine question. How many... How 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 many subscribers do you think or how many new subscribers do you think Amazon Prime got because of the Yankees being on there? Because literally every single it might be like the bubble that I live in, but literally every single person I know has Amazon Prime. Like they would just go watch the Yankees. I mean there had to be a lot for them to do it. Right? Like they had to have some sort of thing. 
<laughs> that projected they were going to get X amount of new subscribers because of it. So I'm sure know. it's a I, lot. Um, all I've, I've, maybe, I've heard nothing but bad things about the Amazon experience. Or maybe it's just Amazon tiptoeing into the world of, of sports. You know, maybe because wasn't it uh, Apple TV? They bought the MLS rights. You know, so maybe as they try to slowly work their way into it, if they can actually become the, as these regional sports networks are kind of crashing per se, maybe Amazon could be the vendor that swoops in and, and scoops up some of that MLB viewership because obviously the blackout restrictions are and blackout rules are completely fucking broken. So maybe if Amazon makes more sporting events available on their platform, that will draw more subscribers. So right now they're dancing into that area, but you know maybe five, ten years from now, maybe they are the, maybe they are the the entity for a certain amount of baseball teams. It won't be the Yankees, of course, but you know maybe you'll you'll have to go to Amazon in order to watch certain baseball games. I guess one can only hope that some other company out there identifies this issue, and is able to build a product, and partner with MLB, and make yeah, the it's called, work. It's, it's literally called Baseball Advanced Media. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, waiting for them to do something about it is uh, not oh, your best plan. If they, wanted, if they really wanted, they could have solved this problem about 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's there's a lot of They could of solve the problem tomorrow involved. if they want. They have the infrastructure. They literally have the infrastructure. We are using that infrastructure right now. Yeah, but, you know, partnerships and brand deals are cooler. Oh, wow. This is my live reaction to Aaron Judge almost rounding into a back-breaking double play. Luckily, Gunnar Henderson couldn't field it correctly. So, again, in our classic NYY takes fashion, we are wrapping up a podcast with the Yankees down late in the game that they are doing their darndest to try and win. Or lose. And or lose. So, for myself, Les Williams, Cameron Toe, Matt Gerald, thank you all for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Pinstripe Purse. That's at the word Pinstripe, followed by P-E-R-S. You can follow Les at LesWilliams23. You can follow Matt at MCGerald14. You can follow Toe at underscore Cito. You can follow myself at rcoles0206. As always, thank you so much for listening. And, of course, go Yanks.